Hi, John. <clears throat> Hi there, Merlin. How's it going? Well, I've had uh, a Rice Krispie candy mm. for breakfast. Mm. How long do you microwave a Rice Krispie candy to bring it back to life? Do you know the wattage? Hmm. It doesn't well, matter. A, start, start, at, start at 15. That's not a 1,200. It's got to be a, like an 800. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, like a college, like a college microwave, like a joke microwave. <laughs> well, you know, no my, da- my daughter's mother, <laughs> she really loves the color, uh, like, uh, teal. <laughs> yeah, maybe, okay. Maybe somewhere between teal and sky kind of kind of classic, uh, you know, googly architecture, uh, preppy sweater kind of color. Exactly. A little bit Miami Vice. That's right. She loves that color, and she loves everything about it. And <laughs> when she was decorating her house, she uh, somebody bought her a Smeg uh, coffee maker that's that color. And then she found a matching toaster. <laughs> you say it's called Smeg? Smeg. Don't it's love a, that. It's some kind of Swedish. Oh, okay. And then she found this microwave to match it. Mm. Oh, she bought on looks. And the microwave, let me let me just walk you through this microwave. It's not big enough for a standard microwave popcorn bag. If you put a microwave popcorn what? in there, the bag will not turn. It will get wedged and... Height? Uh, the height? No, width. John, and, what, what, what are we doing here? So I said... What kind of, what it, kind of like space shuttle bullshit is that? And it's like a $100 microwave. It's a college. Ugh. It's not even a college microwave. And I said, hey, listen, you bought this microwave. It's cute. Yeah. I think we should put it on a shelf somewhere. Maybe. <laughs> Let's treat it like the art object that it deserves to be. Yeah, maybe put some flowers in it. Um, but this is not a serious tool. And we're, at, you know, it's the middle of the pandemic. We're trying to get by here. We're, yeah. we're using the microwave a lot. Just popcorn alone, you should get a $250 microwave, let alone all the other stuff. Oof. Let alone the second. Su- it makes such a difference, John. And, uh, and I was like, I showed her some. Here's a black one. Here's, a, here's a, another black one. Mm-hmm. They, uh, th- th- this one's black. They go Oh, you, get like, you can also get like a dark gray or a charcoal or dark a midnight. Gray. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Don't get navy, though. No, no, no. I, that's the thing. I said, listen, it, it, coffee maker, and I'll tell you, the Smeg, it's very attractive, but hmm. uh, my old Mr. Coffee, like, runs circles around it in terms of actually making coffee. The toaster's fine. But hmm. she, weirdly, I'd never seen this before, stood her ground. No, I like my cute microwave. And, and this, is, this is, in this case, her, her, uh, your, your daughter's mother's house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh. and I help out over there, you know, I help no, out. No, 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 I some... don't want to get involved. But, but but I'm saying, like, it is her domicile. Oh, yeah. And you, you got your own place over here. Yeah, I could have whatever microwave I want. I'm just trying to help. And You're trying to help? Okay. She grew up as a, as a hippie. They didn't have a microwave. So mm-hmm. I think there's part of that, too, that the microwave is some kind of concession that she's making to modernity. And... And I said, this microwave is only good for heating up a cup of coffee and just barely that. A small cup of coffee, John. Yeah. But she she wow. planted her feet, and now here we are, year two, and she uses the microwave all the time because, let's be honest, it's a great cooking tool. 
Yeah. And, uh, and the microwave, I swear to you, if you cook more than three things in a row, it'll shut down. Oh, like, man. You won't be able to use it for two hours. It's not, I, um, as, as we say in, in, in my military circles, it's not ruggedized. Mm. No, and, and, and I would disappear it. I would desperadocitos it. See. Except, um, except it's like her. It's not yours. Is part of it. That's that's right. And it's like yeah. it's the emerald in her crown. You walk into her kitchen and it's like, look at that there. Of course, Beautiful microwave. Literally, it's, it's teal. It's like a teal, like, a teal, yeah. teal stone. It's the color of a wheelbarrow, of an of a oh. old of a googly wheelbarrow. So much depends. Huh? Huh? Oh, John, I hate to hear that because um. Yeah. I, you and I were raised at a time when we looked askance at the microwave and there was, there were so many cautionary tales about microwaves, probably from big oven. Don't look but, at them. Well, you know, don't put metal in it or your house will catch on fire. Don't, uh, which is true, but also like can't you can't really do anything. Like we, the first microwave we bought, which I think it was during the flush of a certain amount of uh, late father insurance money. Um, we got, I want to say a Litton, I think used to be the brand. Oh, sure. And this was back when they wanted to sell you, so, uh, cast your mind back. Now, let me ask you this real quick. Did you guys have one late seventies, eighties? I forget. We did. We got our first but one. Your, your mom, your mom had one. 1980. 1980 okay. was our first microwave. Okay. This might be a little, this is definitely before that. This would be like circa 76. And this oh. is when they were real new, yeah. uh, especially in, in, in gross spec. Uh, you know, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Um, but this is back when they wanted to sell you something and go like, hey, check this out. You can boil water in only like 14 minutes, but also <laughs> it's got a browning functionality. So basically oh, it replaces browning. your, remember the browning? Sure, sure, I do. I don't think you see that. I'm sure it's in there somewhere, but you're much more likely to have a dedicated popcorn button at this point than you are to please make my microwave chicken brown button. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My our, our microwave it was a very large appliance. It the wall, sold. It, it was all wall. Yeah, it was a big a big thing. And it you know what I mean? No, like like, like it's it's basically I only learned this week it's something that should have occurred to me a long time ago. I learned from a podcast I enjoy that if you think about it, a functioning micro a microwave that is functioning properly is also a Faraday cage. Yes. If you put your phone in your microwave, not turned on, if you put your phone in your microwave and you call it and the signal goes through, you need to get a different microwave. Oh, hot damn. Look at you. Yeah. I uh, I kept that microwave. So it sold... Uh, my mother bought it because it was like all mod cons, um, although we were not advanced, but she had moved to Alaska and it was like... She had a new house. Uh-huh. She's going to get a microwave. She's building and, a new life. And then we had never had nachos or heard of nachos. And I think there Whoa. was an article in Sunset Magazine. In about 19, sorry, John, early 80s, you, you were doing nachos? 1980, I'd never I was not aware of nachos. of nachos at all until Taco Bell had, had them at Taco Bell in Tampa that we had to drive through, drive well, to, I, so 1983. I, I, I think it was an article in Sunset that was like one of those black and white food articles where it's like, oh, look at this delicious food. Oh, day nachos, right. And it's like black and white. But it's like, take your tortilla chips, which we, which also were fairly new mm-hmm. on the scene, at least for us. Cover them with, with the with We were Fritos family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you microwave it. And yeah. uh, we made this thing and it was like, <laughs> That wow. makes such a soggy chip. <laughs> Holy shit, though. I mean, we were, yeah. it was like a whole new, it was a revolution. That's technology, minds. yeah. And then I think Red Robin got them. I don't know. I, nachos, as you say, were 
were a, a novelty mm-hmm. at the time. But I kept that microwave after we kept we we moved the microwave with the house because the thing was massive. You could put a whole turkey in it. Well, my grandmother, my um, my father's mother, passed away in 1987. And uh, we had, we, you know, we had to go to Cincinnati to kind of like clean out the house and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was tough for me. It was running right up against the start of the school year. And I was starting a new job as an RA. It was my second year of college. And it was, I almost didn't pull it off. It was very stressful. And of course, my grandma died. So that sucked. But right. the whole family's together at the house. And they're like, anybody here want any, anything? If you want anything here, like put a sticker on it and we'll get it shipped. And and that was really, you know how that, I mean, like, real talk, jokes have left yeah. the room. That's so great. I got my grandfather's chair. I got, you know, um, the uh, the kind of dinette table that I'd sat at for so many years. And it's, oh, wow. it's a weird, creepy feeling. But I also got her microwave. Uh-huh. Now, my grandmother was not a lady who spent a lot of money on anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so in 1987, John, imagine the microwave that I put a sticker on. And let me, here's a hint. You ready for this? Do you remember when microwaves had latches? Oh, for sure. For you remember sure. Remember when your microwave went chung chung? Sure. I feel like that <laughs> microwave probably had like keep like buttons that you might find on an IBM Selectric. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it did not have anything digital or LED. It was all done with dials. It went chunk chunk, and the walls of it were approximately eight inches thick. Wow. You yes. know what I'm talking about, though. Yo, That's sure. the thing. That was the thing. Was like today. It's in. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of your of your daughter's mother. Big fan. Yeah. But it's it's unconscionable to have a microwave that size. But it used to be time was your microwave would take up as much space as a let's say uh, like a a giant living room TV, but yeah, the like available cooking. Mm-hmm. Yes, but the available cooking area, owing to the thickness of wall, made the available cooking area, well, let's be honest, it was certainly bigger than a popcorn bag. That's an excuse. Yeah. Well, but, but you know what I mean? But but I was excited to have it, and I put it in the bathroom of my dorm room. because that's where See, I cook, that's lovely. Know. That's, that's lovely. Is. And I kept our family microwave all the way to 1995. Oh, that's <clears throat> kind of nice, John. Yeah, I had it up on top of my refrigerator in a uh, in a rental place. Yes, and wait, I think wait, so I, the microwave got to see you get sober? Uh, it did. <clears throat> the oh, microwave cool. went all the way. Huh? You couldn't, you couldn't, couldn't keep sober. that in the van with the cord, though, right? Uh, no, no, no. Well, so so cord? it was it was the same as you're saying. When my mom was leaving Alaska in '95, she was put, like, put "Does anybody want yeah. anything?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, I need a microwave." Can I have the microwave that's the size of a of a tube uh, cathode ray television? And she was like, "Yeah." The kind of thing you watch that's incredible on with your family. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I've maybe have even told this story before, but you remember that the apartment I was renting, where uh, where my manager told me that God or that he did not make the rat, that God made the rat. (gasps) I don't remember that. Wait, no, this is but is this where you threw urine out the window? No, 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 no. Okay. That was an apartment I loved. No, this was an apartment where I came home one night and there was this and the refrigerator was making this terrible sound and I was like, "What's going on? The refrigerator is about to explode." And I went over and like kind of pushed on the refrigerator and this big rat ran out from underneath it. And oh, I had no. never No, I'd never lived in an apartment as far as I knew that had rats. But this your was la- a your rat. landlord said God made the rat. Well, so he was from India, and I oh, went to him. Cool. He was he was a very nice guy. We had a good rapport. But I said, "There's a rat in my apartment," or and that <clears throat> that means there are rats in my apartment. <laughs> he said, "I'm not gonna do the and voice." He said, but then he, he said, "Do you don't ask, or everybody will want one." <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part 
by Mac Weldon. You can learn more about Mac Weldon right now by visiting macweldon.com slash R-O-T-L. Hey, jingle jangle, the holiday season is here. And with it comes the yearly questions of, you know, uh, what do I wear to non-ugly sweater parties? Or how do I maximize my time savoring holiday moments and minimize my time shopping for gifts? Well, fear not, holiday wanderer Mac Weldon has all the answers. Whether it's an office party, a party with family and friends, or just a holiday party of you, your couch, and a game on TV, Mac Weldon has all the essentials to keep you stylish and comfortable throughout the season. And their innovative daily wear system has taken the hard work out of outfit planning with pieces designed to work together for any occasion, saving you time and sparing you any extra holiday stress. I love that. I, I, you know, just set me up. Give me some animals, you know, for my body. I don't want to think. I just want to wear clothes. I don't even love them in the first place. But I do love Mac Weldon. Uh, you should check out. They got their uh, their Ace sweatpants and sweatshirts. Oh, big fan. That uh, that Ace sweatshirt is awesome. Uh, they have a warm knit collection. It's perfect for your holiday routine and for gifts. Oh, they're so cozy. Uh, they're waffly and wonderful. You know, we're, we're talking about top-notch tops, best-selling bottoms, and underwear and accessories that will please even the scroogiest guys on your list. With Mac Weldon, your holiday heavy lifting will be complete within minutes. See, see, see this warm neck collection, okay? It features shirts. You got shirts, vests, pajama pants, and more, so you can put chilly winter days behind you. Ooh, using innovative technology that uses your own body heat to keep you at the perfect temperature, all offered at no extra charge. A gift set. Wow, what a concept. One gift that holds many gifts inside. Hmm. No one's doing better gift sets this season than Mac Weldon with limited edition color drops and a bevy of new releases. Their holiday gift sets are the perfect present for any guy on your list. This holiday season, every guy deserves to wear unforgettable clothes that he loves for the moments with loved ones that he'll never forget. That's why you probably need to put Mac Weldon on your holiday list for both giving and getting. Big fan. Hey, listen, right now for 20% off your first order, do me a favor. Go to MacWeldon.com slash R-O-T-L, just like it sounds, and use our extremely special holiday promo code R-O-T-L, right? You got that? 20% off? You go to MacWeldon.com slash R-O-T-L, promo code R-O-T-L, 20% off, and get it right this holiday season, right? Here you go, and check it out. They've been good to us. I'm wearing them right now. I'm wearing too much of their stuff. It's kind of creepy, but I, I, I am a fan. Our thanks to Mac Weldon for supporting Roderick on the Line. And all the great shows. He said <laughs> in a voice that Hari Kondabolu has, has made it impossible for us to do, and also, you know, modern sensibilities. Ooh. I used to tell this story Ooh, back in the 1990s, and I would do the, I would do the impression. It's not as funny if you just say, thank you, come again. But I yeah. said, I said, you know, and he said, John, John, I did not make the rat. God made the rat. If you have rats, if you have a problem with rats, you need to take it up with God. That's a, that's a thought terminating statement. That's the kind of thing where you're going to be so stunned. It's like he hit you with, with a with a with a sock full of rupees and walked out. Like you're going to have to just sit with that now. It was sincere. You, you and, and your God. And it, and I was like, God made the rat. God made the rat. God made the rat. I got to start using that more. And so I moved out. But what what happened? Uh, not very long after that, I came home. I and I. I keyed into my apartment and I knew something was wrong right away. The apartment was extremely humid. <clears throat> All oh, the windows no. were fogged up. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, is someone, you know, did a beautiful woman come in key, like a spy key into my apartment and then right. take a shower? Uh, I hope. Right. Like right. what I'm at a stage in my life where, where 
if something weird is happening, it's almost certainly better than what was actually happening. Yeah, fair. Except in this case, no, because when I walked into the apartment, I, you know, there was a buzzing sound, and I looked, and the microwave was sitting on top of the of the uh, of the refrigerator, and it was on, and it had been on, running with nothing in it, running with nothing in now, it. John, John I, I learned very early on there are many rules of microwave. One learned in the nineteen seventies, and one of them, you never run it with nothing in it. And this had just spontaneously begun. Like there was no, I oh, reached up no. and tried to turn it off and it wouldn't turn off. And I tried to open it and the door was locked. And I was like, the microwave is just, it just went on my 15 year old microwave and I can't get oh, it to turn off. So I unplugged it. Did you freak? You must've been mm. panicky. Oh, well it was, it was very freaky. You know, your microwave was, has gone rogue. Your right. microwave is like on its own. You got a bogey. And I don't know. I'd been what, what, what they call it a broken arrow. You got a broken arrow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Somebody's somebody's found <laughs> the bomb, and I don't. I don't. It could have been on for eight hours. You know, I don't know if the if the room was full of radioactive air. <laughs> You're you know. lucky you didn't get Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> right, I could be the blue, big blue naked guy. Now. I know. December fifth, nineteen ninety five. A musculature appears. <laughs> Before a rat. And so uh-huh. when I moved out, that was the place that when I moved out, because I was I was a little bit I was a little bit uh scalded by the by the God made the rat comment. Yeah. And I was mad at my landlord because he was running a slum here and he didn't he he was like it he, was a, God, I mean, like now that I've had some time to sit with it, I'm sorry, John, but now that I've had time to sit with it. Yes, God did make the rat, but yes. he does own the building. Yes. And it's it was a cheap apartment close to town. It was one of those buildings right. in Seattle that's triangular shaped. I know you have those in San Francisco too. Uh like a triangular shaped uh Wait, apartment. I'm sorry. The the unit that you were in? No, no, no. Well, the unit was Well, because not- some, sometimes this happens like there was a for example, there was a Holiday Inn in Tallahassee that for some reason they had decided to make as basically imagine like a bunt cake, except that's a hotel. So oh. it's circular and tall. And yeah. basically every room is like most of a pie slice, yeah. which is very unusual. Because as you know, one reason Ray Charles would go to Holiday Holidays Inn is because they all have exactly the same layout, at least in the 60s. Mm-hmm. This one, but like if you've ever been, it's it's almost as bad as being in a round room, John. It makes there, you feel a little crazy. It's like living in, living in pizza. Here. The the uh, the Weston Hotel in Seattle, uh, where Bill Clinton liked to stay, perfectly oh. round building. There are a few oh. apartment buildings. It was a very sixties. That's no know, way to live, John. That Century no twenty one. My mom looked at an apartment in it, and she said the exact thing you're saying, Merlin, which is there's no way you could furnish this apartment. There's no room for the human soul. My apartment was square. It was just inside one of these flat iron buildings. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so. Uh, I mean, if you if the the person down at the end of the hall had a triangular shape apartment, but mine was square. They got the remainder, Correct. as we used to say in long division. But for me, Just tip. as I was moving out, I mm-hmm. took all the light bulbs. That was the take all the light bulbs uh, mm-hmm. apartment. What about the uh, what about? Well, I see you're you're clean at this point. But did you also take all the uh, all the screens out of the faucets? No, 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 no. They're already gone. I, I feel like the screens were the things that were keeping the cockroaches out of the sink. Oh, that's a good point. But, you know, you could pop that into an apple or something and make yourself a little uh, pipe, you know? Yeah, but I was, yeah, as you say, I was You're sober clean. then. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but I left the microwave. And so either, my, my assumption is that he came in and was like, oh, well, he took the light bulb, but free microwave. 
Hmm. you know, I'll charge 50 extra bucks a month. For that microwave place. sounds a little bit cursed. I mean, nothing against your Steam mom, extra. big fan, but that sounds a little cursed. It could be one of those things. The problem is, though, all those things were mechanical, right? So if something, yes. if something shorted out, it's not like a, it's not like turn it off and turn it back on again. And it and it works. I never plugged right. the thing in again. I was like, John, a lot of these ah. kids today. I, I you know I love the kids. I support them. What they're trying to do, but you know there was a time in life when not everything was solid state. No, well, and you know, a microwave would have been, but it wouldn't have been. It would have been solid state. Like it would. I bet have been. it ran on tubes. I bet. I bet it was basically like an orange. Or, yeah, it would have. Like JCM or something. It would have been. I don't know, not hand wired. But also, Probably John, I mean, the, was that ever meant to, I mean, again, all, all respect, but was that ever meant to last 15 years, do you think? No, Merlin, we're living in a planned obsolescence world, and we That's have true. been since the 70s. You knew it even then. You knew it even then. You did. You did. You I mean, I have it. a radio here on the shelf that was made in the 1950s, and it's got it's it's got little civil defense labeling on it, so that in the event of the bomb, you... you, you Set your radio to. There's two. Is it illuminated with two, the turny thing on the string? It's, got, it's illuminated. And get this, it's teal. Holy and shit. it's from the 1950s. And when you turn it on, it lights up and it takes a minute to, to, to get do going. You get, do you get old shows on it? And it still works. That's cool. Well, yeah, the only thing you can hear on it is old jazz, old swing music. But uh, but no, your microwave. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, everybody, clam up. This is the Glenn Miller Band. We have, I'm disappointed in our most recent, that was really good. You muted. Um, the uh, we, uh, we replaced the microwave that I really, really love because it was getting... Long in the tooth and gross. I mean, at this point, it's funny what makes us need to get something different. And certainly one of the things that happens, we, I learned this with VCRs in the fucking 90s. Every VCR eventually cost $200. The feature set went up. They remained around $200. So, you know, it used to be time was you got your Betamax in the 70s, and that's going to cost some coin. It cost $1,500. Point, bucks. Oh, they were super costly. I remember when I was in military school and we used to pool our resources to be able to buy Betamax tapes in 1979. We bought a copy of MASH that was 100 American dollars on Betamax. <laughs> Sound and music, $100. Um, but, and then the, the unit. But, but, but like I learned, you know, you, you learn that, uh, that, uh, that, that, that phrase, bench fee. You say, like, hey, look, there's something wrong. I replaced the fuses on, and yes, you did have to replace fuses on a, a VCR even in the 90s. But I've done all this. Uh, can you fix this for me? And the guy goes, well, there's a bench fee. And I said, mm -hmm. what's that? He says, well, for you to walk in here with your JVC, you know, $200 VCR. Right. Wood paneled. <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad. It did have a wireless remote, so it was, I was really living on Vita Loca. But nice. it means you bring your, your piece of shit VCR in here, and like you got to cross my palm. For me to even literally put it on the bench will cost you $50. And I says to him, I says, well, a new one's $200. He says, exactly. And so yeah. that's, that. I think we learned around that time, or I learned around that time about like... Now today, the truth is, you clean the shit out of the inside of your disgusting microwave, and at a point, the patina has become so mature that you just need to get a different <laughs> microwave if you want to keep your wife, right? So, but the problem is the one we got, which is the new version of the exact same model, yep. is oh, a you're, piece sing it. of shit. Sing it. Um, I got the same Panasonic I always get. My same main one. beef is that it has a digital readout, and every time it's done cooking, you know what it's, it has a readout on it, John, from, from left to right. You know what it says? Enjoy your meal, exclamation point. Oh, my God. I hate I'm it. Greeted, I'm I greeted. I hate it already. 
I hate it so fucking much. But uh, but I'm just here to tell you, man, you need to know your wattage and you need to have wattage that reflects the needs of your household. I kind of got that in the wrong order. You need a microwave that reflects what needs be done. Mm-hmm. And that gets you to where, and I'm not going to go into this because this is going to be a whole chapter in my wisdom document probably, how mm-hmm. to do microwave. You know, like as, as a boy coming up, you might have learned there's only two settings on the oven, which is 350 and broil. Mm-hmm. And then you get older and you go, oh, there's other things and I can do other things. Mm. Now, me, I work the percentages. There I'm are. a big worker of percentages. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a big worker of something called sensor reheat. And sensor reheat is, as we used to say, the tits, because it's measuring, I want to say, moisture and heat or something, but you pop something in there and almost anything, John, you want to know how to reheat almost anything? Sensor Mm. reheat plus Mm. 30 seconds on high. You put sensor reheat and it does its thing. You don't know how long it's going to be. Enjoy your meal. You don't know how long it's going to be. You put it in there and then you walk away. Yep. And then right at the end, after it's done, you give it 30 more seconds. Top it off. Top it off with another 30 seconds. And Bob's Because you know me. I like piping hot food. If I'm reheating some meaty rice or I'm reheating some uh, uh, macaroni and cheese or similar. Now, pizza, you got to do on the range top in a pan, as the entire Mm. internet knows. Never do that in a microwave. You're a monster. But, 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 John, you know, every, every dollar is made of dimes. And that goes for time as well. Every hour is made of seconds. Sure. Over time, that accretes. Right. And right now, please don't tell her I said this because I'm a huge fan of hers. Yeah. Um, that you're living a lie, my friend. You need to disappear. You know what? Maybe if your kid did it, maybe it, maybe if your daughter disappeared the teal. But she doesn't, you know, she doesn't know the difference. She never microwaves anything because she's still in the, she's right in the last, the waning uh. days of her life where, uh, <clears throat> except for opening cans, the rest of everything is taken <laughs> care of for her, right? Everything yeah. else All right. in her life is handed to her on a silver God, it's been platter. almost a year. It's been almost if she, a year. I know. If she, if she wants a, a thing, like she's just recently started to make her own macaroni and cheese. And I have to say, by the time I was 10 and a half, I was being, <laughs> I was, when I came home from school, there was no one home. I had a key around my neck on a piece of, of, uh, of red yarn. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they got me into the house and then I was making cakes. You know, I was here, I was cooking pork chops at 10 years old cooking because there was chops. nobody around. And my dad, when he came home, <clears throat> it could have been at five. It could have been at 15, you know, like dad but, was going to come he, home. And he made eggs and it wasn't the way you liked it. And you said <laughs> so, and it made him frustrated. He always had it for, for dinner. He was going to have a pork chop, you know, but, but, mm-hmm. at, but at 10 years old, I was taking his, 1911 model World War II pistol down from above the refrigerator and walking around the house uh, shooting at imaginary Japanese soldiers. You're interrogating the apartment. I was also uh, I also was taking my dad's girlfriend's Aquanet and uh, lighting it on fire and burning it into the fireplace. Where's all my Aquanet? <laughs> that I was you know, a right guard. I was a right guard man. All the way up. I would take my mom's cricket lighter and i would take some right guard yeah and uh you can make a pretty good suburban flamethrower out of that it was amazing and those were the days my dad would come home and go why does it smell like aquanet i'd be like i don't know man maybe you know i don't know at one point after (laughs) my judge me (laughs) after my sister moved in uh uh, you know in 1980 he hired a woman named myrtle uh, to come and be here at home when we got home from school. And Myrtle was so, she was, 
bless her heart. Was she African American or old? No, she was. Uh, she was Alaska Native. Oh, and well, you mean did, as in like what do we say Inuit? What do we say? Uh, she no. was. What's the word? What's the word? What's the right word? Well, there's a Nupiat. There's first First Nations. Uh, we can say Indian. First Nations is a Canada thing. Shit. Um, and she was Aleut, I think. But she'd been living in Anchorage for a long time, and she was a house, housekeeper slash. Uh, she was supposed to make us food, but she really didn't know. Do you remember how he found her? Uh, no. Huh. Uh, we would drop her off, and her apartment was over by the railroad. So maybe something mm-hmm. to do with the her husband at the railroad. No, I guess her husband was dead. But mm-hmm. Myrtle was just, you know, I'd been I'd been coming home from school by myself for two years, and so right. Myrtle. Being oh, there, you did, was, did this did, did this hurt your feelings a little bit? Well, I was just like, oh man, and she'd be like, hi, welcome home, and you know, and she spoke. Man, it's like John Mulaney says, it's like when you hire, like that's like hiring a horse to watch a dog. Like, I can do this. Like, I know how to make a pork chop and make a flamethrower. I do not need well, yeah, uh, an alley I'm, just, I'm yeah. just somebody that wants to read and be left yes. alone. And Cast Myrtle spells. thought at first that her mandate was to be like a like somebody welcoming us home with some fresh baked cookies or something, except she didn't know how to make cookies, and mm. uh, and she spoke with a thick, you know, a thick accent, like a village accent, and I was like, "You're here to look after my sister. That's why you're here." Look, but I'm with the elephant in the room, John. I mean, is like the, the it sucks to be a latchkey kid in so many ways, mm. but the benefit of being a latchkey kid is you get left the fuck alone. Yeah, yeah, right. You get the and place, as we used to say, you get the place to yourself. That's all I wanted was just to be left alone. And I was 12 by this point. I mean, there were kids yes. in my school that were smoking weed. You were probably doing sex. elaborate well, experiments. See, I would be flushing stuff down yeah. the toilet. I would be doing sure. uh, elaborate uh, proto-masturbation uh, experiments. Like, all kinds of things. Not real stuff, but, you know, like, kind of just getting my legs under me, as we say. Yeah, figuring it but out. But you get the place to yourself. You know when your parents are going to be home. You got time to tidy up. Cover up all the evidence, you know. Uh, you know, Or you could, you could just look at catalogs and think about what you can't afford. How was I going to sit and play uh, the same note on the piano for 45 minutes if there's somebody uh, in the room? You know, uh, you can't do it. Hey, look at a weirdo. <clears throat> it, was, it was a little weird. It was a little weird. <laughs> Myrtle. Myrtle, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Myrtle famously, uh, she, she, uh, she called Parmesan cheese Parmesan cheese. And we still, in my family, call oh, it Parmesan cheese. I don't hate that. No, no, no. It was good. But at the time, you know, you're you're like 12 years old, and yes, and because you're because you're a precocious person who's, uh, who's oh, you're learned deep everything in the correcting books. phase of life. Yeah, you're in the correcting phase, right? You're in the yeah. like. Uh, actually, I think you mean she and I, or whatever. You know, just like <laughs> fucking dicks. And shut up, idiot. <laughs> but I didn't want to. I didn't want to correct Parmesan cheese because you know I had I. At 12, I had just enough social grace to realize, like, you don't correct mm-hmm. adults. And <clears throat> right. and so we just started calling it – I started calling it Parmesan. And then I, my sister followed my lead. And I don't think my dad ever understood what was going on. But I taught my daughter <laughs> Parmesan cheese. And, you know, it's Myrtle's legacy. I mean, Myrtle's probably been dead for 40 years. Yeah. But uh, – That's how it goes. But here, Myrtle, you know, Myrtle, so, Myrtle's so legacy. Goes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, how long did that go for, John? 
And, well, let me, I'm sorry. So let me, let me get back to this. You shouldn't bring this stuff up if you don't want questions. What, what do you suppose it was that was your father worried about your welfare? Was he worried about you fucking the place up? Was why do you think? How did Myrtle enter into the scene, and how long was she around? Did she achieve the purpose your father intended? If you can identify what it was, I think that my dad wanted to do things properly. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talk to my mom about uh, the 1960s, um, my dad did not want my mom to work, and it was because he was a Didn't successful. It was a successful lawyer, and he did. It didn't look good. Yeah, and my mom. It looked like he wasn't providing enough. Probably that's right. <laughs> and my mom, at least in his eyes, yeah, not only wanted to work, but needed to work, and could not <laughs> yeah. do the uh, the junior glee club style of of like pillbox hat and white gloves work. I cannot imagine that where, where you were doing. You know, housewife work in the 1960s, like right? She wasn't going to. Also, as we previously stipulated, one thing our parents, or at least my mom and your mom, had in common was the whole like shit. No, I didn't listen to the Beatles. Like yeah. I was listening to Nat King Cole when I was 19. Stand I wanted guess. to be grown up. I wanted to smoke. I wanted to be taken seriously. And a woman as like intelligent and and uh, sort of flinty as your mom is, like one problem is 60s housewife who stays at home also becomes. The blame sink. Like everything that goes wrong is your fault. Whereas if you get to go leave the house like a person and go have adult conversations where you don't have barf on your shirt from your stupid fucking baby, like you get to go have a life and you're not the blame sink, I think. Yeah, I, my dad and my mom, what made it such a dumb thing was that they were peers. Like intellectually, they he were, hopes. you know, they drove, <laughs> yeah, right. They drove, you know, they would go for long drives and they would talk about the issues of the day. Like my dad was not somebody who kept her in the kitchen, you know, like they were, they were together great friends. It was just that he, it wasn't that he was keep keeping up appearances exactly, but he was a man of a certain station. He was, yeah. you know. He was a member of the tennis club, for the love of God. Yeah, and he was forty-one by the time they married, so he had already been. He'd oh, already right. held he was public office. Previously married, right? Right. Okay. And so, she, yeah, she was twenty-six, but he was in his forties, and so mm-hmm. a veteran, like established, he had he was established in in his in his way. Mm-hmm. And so there was no. My father never condescended to her. My God, can you imagine? Scorched um, earth. I, I just, but, I think, I think he would try that once probably. But she taught herself Fortran or whatever machine language out of a mm-hmm. book and, um, and then went. And, and it's important of- to think about like, so she, but no, like this is crazy, but I think it's worth mentioning. I mean, even into the seventies, at least, and maybe the eighties, if you were doing punch card, this is before punch card. She didn't have access to a computer. Did she? She was just reading a book. Well, so I just I've I've been recording some episodes of a secret podcast with her. Uh-huh. So I don't want to give too much okay, away okay, because cool, she tells cool. all no, these cool. stories, but she says that in in the 60s and 70s programmers sat and stared out the window. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes for 4 days. Because by the time they wrote the code, they already knew it. They already had figured it all the way out. Mm-hmm. And so writing, and then the actual, the actual, like, then it's just implementation details at that point. 
And and so the so computer departments of big companies, like the management, all understood. You know, the lower level management, all understood that you know you'd walk through there and you wouldn't hear anything. There'd just be people kind of sitting and staring. And, and this and, is still that. But isn't this also still that time when it's almost exclusively women doing this? Uh, a lot of women doing, mm -hmm. and uh, and a. You know, kind of, they worked in teams of five where, you know, each person would kind of be, be good at a different thing. But, you know, my mom has said for, for this whole time that the idea that a computer programmer was an engineer was something that only happened <laughs> many years later. It's and a trade. <laughs> at the time, and it was just because when, when universities started teaching computers, they were like, well, what department do we put this in? And the and the engineering department stepped forward and said, it's probably us. She said, before that, it was thought of as a kind as an art, as a liberal art, because you were, you were. It was it was a logic problem. It had nothing to do with engineering. It was a logic problem, and so it was thought of as a logic discipline. But so you know, she's she goes and does this, and my dad is like what am I supposed to tell the people at the club that you are working, not only working, but working in some kind of weird computers? What even, you know, like, mm -hmm. but you know, at that same time, my dad, who was a, who was a liberal Democrat was like, well, of course we support the war in Vietnam. It's the United States. And you don't, you don't turn your back on the army. What are you? Some kind of, mm -hmm. you know, communist. And it was it didn't it took him until 1970 before he understood. Mm, oh, like wait, how, how bad it was! This is a bad war. Yeah. It was the first bad war any of them had ever heard of. Like uh, but, Bill Murray says in Stripes, "We are ten and one." <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and to run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, they have got you covered. Squarespace combines cutting-edge design and world-class engineering, making it easier than ever to establish your home online and to make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. You start with a professionally designed template, so beautiful, so many templates, so many beautifuls. Use drag and drop tools to make it your own. You can customize the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale, anything. You just, it's just a, just a few clicks. You click, you drag, you drop, you do some stuff, and you got a website. It's crazy. I'll tell you what's nuts. All Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile. That means that your content, the things that you, your ideas, your big ideas, it's going to automatically adjust to look great on every device or dingus. Now, this used to be a real big pain. I'm going to be honest with you. Squarespace, you know what? Thank you for putting me out of business as a webmaster. I really appreciate it. You also get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. There's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need their help. And they'll even let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. The uniqueness, that's guaranteed. That's a Squarespace promise. Plus, you'll have everything you need for SEO and email marketing to get your ideas out there. 
and you can make whatever you want to make. You uh, you make a website. You can you can showcase uh, your work with, with incredible portfolio designs. Honestly, that's some of my favorite stuff. Are the way that you can make your photos look so beautiful. Publish your next blog post. Promote your business. Announce an upcoming event. You know, if you will it, it is no dream. So right now, you go to squarespace.com/supertrain and get a free trial with no credit card required. Now, this is very important. When you're ready to launch, use our offer code SUPERTRAIN. That's going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a unique domain name. Squarespace.com slash SUPERTRAIN. And when you decide to sign up, I'm going to say it again, use that offer code SUPERTRAIN. I can't say it enough. We paradise in our wake. You get 10% off your first purchase. And it shows your support for us. So, you know, our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. <laughs> Sorry, I need a ding. By the time my... Um by the time he hired Myrtle, he was still trying to figure out, like, okay, you know, when it was my son getting out of school, uh, well, he doesn't need to be minded. You know, like, I would walk home from school and go to the pawn shop and say, can I, you know, <laughs> uh, how much is that pistol? How much is that? You know, like, the, it, that was back when pawn shops had, like, like sheriff's an Alaskan, badges for sale. But an Alaskan pawn shop. An Alaskan, right? and I, and that's was, probably pretty different from a lot of other pawn shops. There was a pawn shop and a and an Army Navy surplus store on the way home from school, and I went to both of them every day. Oh my and, god! And you know, and I knew all the pawn dudes and all the uh, all the the like Vietnam the pets that were <laughs> sitting with their cigars, you know, clenched in their teeth. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, "Well, what is this gas mask? What is this from? What is this from?" And the guy would be like, "Well, that's from the night, you know." That's a jet pilot outfit from the 50s. And the pawn shop guy would be like, don't touch that kid. You know, like, oh, that's, that's ivory that's no longer legal. <laughs> but when my sister was there, and my sister, because my dad was never, from the time he was five years old, nobody knew where he was, right? I mean, you know, you get out of school and you just mm -hmm. roam. You roam until the sun goes down. My sister was there. It wasn't that Susan needed any more minding than I did, but he wanted to do he wanted to do it correctly with his with this daughter. Yeah, so mm -hmm. so and he was a man of a certain station, so he was like, "Oh, a housekeeper. That's what I need. I need a housekeeper because that I keep thinking of uh, what was your name on courtship Pavetti's father, Mrs. Livingston. Yeah. You know what I mean? Somebody, like, if you think, did you ever watch that show when you were a kid? Uh, I, I remember the theme music. Yeah, so, so, so Bill Bixby and Brandon Cruz, he has a son, the, the, his wife has passed away, and there's this um, extremely Japanese woman called Mrs. Livingston, who is like, she's the housekeeper, she's the maid, she's the everything. If memory serves, she does wear some fairly non-occidental clothing, and, and is a little bit, you know... Yeah. talking in a certain way and but like she she was she was everything and maybe not so different from mr french on family affair when i was a little no, john i'm realizing now that this was a thing it was a thing. alice alice on brady bunch mm -hmm. mr french like there's a person who's like this that you're you're not just a servant but like at least on the tv show a servant who's almost a member of the family i could mm -hmm. see a dave roderick of the 1960s 70s 80s going i wouldn't mind a mrs livingston this is this is what was happening when when i was a little kid we had a japanese couple who lived in the house with us what? and it was a and the woman did all of the house stuff and the mm -hmm. and her husband please don't say he was the gardener 
Please. Did no, no, no. We didn't have a guard, but he was like the handy <laughs> man. The koi pond. <laughs> you know, he like managed the. He kind of managed it, and they were there. This was, you know, early. This was nineteen sixty nine, mm-hmm. right? Having like it would have been a time when. Whoa, that's uh, still fairly recent for your dad. But you right? know, the yeah, right. I mean, after the war, but but it would have been a time when. There would have been a lot of Japanese people who had been living in America for right. generations. Well, and I stipulated your dad, if memory says before the war, was it right? That play, play, played basketball. Oh yeah, all his friends Jap- were Japanese. So yeah, he yeah, was, right, right, he right. was very. But my mom had a lot. He of, shut down that zero with his forty-five just because that was part of the act of war. My dad grew up in a town that was very, uh, that was very Seattle, very multicultural, and all his friends were Asian. That's so cool. Or Jewish. But my mom ha- grew up in the Midwest, and she had been indoctrinated during the war as a child uh, to be very suspicious of people World from Asia. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, like that, she'd been getting all of the Midwest version of like, if you yeah. see a uh, an Asian person, they're probably planting a bomb. No, under nobody a in my family, except for my uncle. My uncle was the one person in our family who would and did buy both German and Japanese cars even in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, VW Bugs and later on, like, he was like, well, Toyota's going to change the way. He was such a forward-thinking guy. But, like, nobody in my family, we all drove GM cars yeah, for my, the reasons you would expect. My mom was a Chrysler person and only drove her first Japanese car in the uh, 2020s. Uh, up until <laughs> then, she never, I mean, she just bought her first Japanese car. There was a moment in the 1980s where she had one of those Chevy branded cars that was actually made in Japan. Oh yeah, but right. she, but it was a Chevy. Yeah. But the this Japanese couple lived with us, and until I was four, five, maybe I spoke Japanese. They Shut spoke, your mouth! No, they spoke Japanese to me. Wait, are, are you sure? Yeah. Hmm. And then they were deported. Shut up. At a time. No way. At a time when you would deport people that were Japanese. You're talking about in like the mid 70s? Early 70s. Yeah, 1972. They were Why? sent Why back were they to deported? Japan. They didn't have their visas right. They were there oh, kind no. of, you know, they were w- working under John, the table for us. I yeah. hate that. And so, and I think at that time, the idea was that they were going to keep living with us and that I was going to grow up speaking Japanese. Um, and I, you know, and I look back and I go, I don't know, you know, that would have been pretty great. But so dad, yeah, this was a last gasp of like, well, why don't we try to have a housekeeper? Because that will let me go, mm-hmm. uh, go to my mistress's house after work. And not have to race home to uh, parent. Yes, but it was not. I was already. I was already fully independent, and Myrtle was not someone who had. She didn't. She didn't know enough to. Um, to be authoritative. She was old. The, 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 so, as in, like, she wasn't, she didn't feel sort of empowered to yeah. boss you around? Yeah, she was not, you know, Myrtle had had no education, mm-hmm. and Myrtle was not informed about the, about the matters of the day. 
And so what, you know, and Myrtle barely knew how the oven worked. So it was mm-hmm. not, so I didn't come home and think, yeah, right. Like I was 12 years old and Myrtle was going to tell me to pick up my shoes. Like, mm, mm-hmm. sort of, okay, I'll do it to be polite, but I'm not doing it because you have any, any gra- gravity here. <laughs> And Susan, it's like you and Hodgman, I will allow you dominion over me, yeah. which is a very different thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Susan never listened to anybody, right? So she only lasted about a year and a half, and she, and you know, and I and I think the whole time. I mean, I I can't imagine it was very fun for her either because she was trying to she's trying, you know, yeah. she'd make little cakes and stuff, and we'd be mm-hmm. like, thanks, you know. And so there was always an element of kind of a little bit of guilt around Myrtle because I wished it had, I wished I'd been a better child under her auspices, you know? And if dad had, if when I'd moved up there in 78 or if if she'd been there in the, in the mid seventies, when I would go spend summers, um, you know, maybe I would have, Myrtle would have been a beloved, uh, matronly figure in my life, but it was too late, too late by then Mm. i was already fighting commando uh battles in central america i was already Mm -hmm. i was already in rhodesia in my in my imagination so yeah it wasn't it wasn't and all you know and also i could field strip his gun by then so (laughs) you know i was what what was gonna happen what was gonna what was myrtle uh, myrtle gonna do i mean Mm. i know what merlin would have done no you don't but then yeah, after, you don't know me. I, at that time, I was spending a lot of time making up games that one child could play with himself. Well, I know. And think about think about if you and I had known each other when we were eleven and twelve. I would watch that prequel. You know, that would be. Would we have gotten? You know, I think the way we would have gotten along is a state of mind I can summon, which was like eighth grade. I'm thinking of eighth grade. Not, not just just to give you a state of mind, but like when I had come out of military school, we'd moved to Florida. And I was going to go to. I was finally. I'd like begged to not have to go back to military school, uh, which I was in in seventh grade. But eighth grade, I was going to go to public schools in Pasco fucking County, Florida. And it was, it was a trash fire. Like, it was real bad. But I rarely felt as lonely in life as I did in eighth grade. But I also found myself finding some comedy with other weirdos. Kids that would turn out to be gay. Kids that would turn out to be engineers. Like... The, you know, like the kind of the weirdos, and like I could see you and me being stuck somewhere and going, huh, check this out. Huh. You were and class then maybe of we draw 80, a dungeon. What? Say again? You were class of 80. A graduation? 85. 85, right. So you would have been eighth grade, I would have been seventh grade. I was a late, you are, so I think we, if memory serves, I am old, I was always old for my grade, and you were always young for your grade. So yeah. we're actually closer than it seems, kind of. Uh, or f- further. Further. Wait, because what? Well, so wait, what, what year did you, did you graduate in 87? I graduated in 86, and I was 17 when I graduated. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, like, class wise, we're closer than not yeah. age wise, we're two years apart mostly, but yeah, class wise, one yeah. year apart. And I, I, could, think, I could see, I could see us finding some common cause, maybe, you know, uh, maybe in, in uh, playing, playing dodgeball or being in like uh, business administration typing and 10 keying. I could, I could see us forming, uh, an interesting alliance for sure. It would have been around Dungeons and Dragons and yeah, yeah. and uh, like fascination with uh, 
uh, yeah, weird stuff. I mean, I, yeah. I was still wearing velour shirts a long time after. Was this your orange pants? <clears throat> or your, was yeah. your orange pants or flight suit period? It was orange pants and flight suit. I mean, I yeah. had rust colored pants after everybody else was wearing white Levi's. Rush is also the name of memory serves of your X-Men uh, supervillain. Hmm. Remember you yeah, oh, that's right. I was the rust. That's yeah, right. Yeah, you corrode. <laughs> it was not until junior year that uh-huh. I figured out, oh, wait a minute. You can't keep you can't keep not washing your hair if you're going to be oh. a success with other kids. Yeah. It gives people a certain idea. Yeah. I mean it was yeah, I mean, that was, was, like Paul pulls it off pretty well and get back. I'm frequently, first of all, like everybody, I agree, Paul should just probably always have the beard. He's got um, amazing. Too. But he does have a, a slightly kind of uh, greasy hair sort of carriage to him. So, so and now you've broached it. I thought oh, shit, about, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 it's okay. I thought I'm going to be on a podcast for like episode. three hours tomorrow talking about it. Well, so I thought that I would break the fourth wall at the beginning of this episode and say, I mean, we need to address it. Yeah. And I know you're going to go talk about it with somebody else before me. But but this could be our first Patreon episode. Oh. Maybe maybe make Keith powder dry, I'm just saying. Oh. I'm not committed to doing a Patreon, but if we do do a Patreon, which we probably will, that would be a good episode. Well, it could be the first seven episodes. I, uh, I, boy, what a thing. I mean, it's I don't, just, we, it's such a different, I'm sorry, I'm already spoiling it. This is how, how I'm going to make money if I keep talking about stuff for free. But like, it's, it's so fucking different from what ended up on screen in Let It Be. It's. Because the thing is. John's, the reason so, I, John's so fun. I mean, he's annoyingly fun. Like, get to work. Okay, sorry, sorry. Shh, leave it. The, the, the problem is. Hmm. The problem is there are a lot of people that haven't seen it yet or that are only on the first episode. Yeah, I'm only, very, on, I gotta, a, I'm only on the second. I got to watch the third one tonight so I can be ready to do this. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It, on the one hand, it could have been my first thought in some ways was, holy shit, is this still the first episode? I know. So my very first thought, and I'm not going to talk about it. Well, the second here. episode is five five hours long. If you are if you haven't seen the second episode yet, buckle up because it really yeah, really but when they when they leave when they leave Twickenham, you know, and they go to the real place and Mal Evans, oh my god, oh my god, I love them all so much. Okay, leave it, leave it. But uh, I remember I remember thinking like uh, partway through, like, whoa, this is still the first episode of three. God damn, I was like, this could easily. So if this were Netflix, they would break it into half hour things. If yeah. it were almost any other streamer, they could cut each of these episodes in half, call it six. Yeah. But there is a certain little part of me, and, and you go up against this on social media, if you're on social media, which is people like, oh, God, it's so boring and long. And it's like, no, it's not boring and it's not long. And if you'd ever had to sit through the fucking Let It Be movie, Oof. you would see how bracing the Oof. access to these boys at this time is and how much more you love every single one of these guys in this element, and you can feel the pain of a thing that's about to break, but they're still finding a way to have fun and drink tea. Do you like Mel Evans? What about Neil Espinel? You the, like him? The, the problem is I watched this show with a couple of people that were on varying degrees of the scale of lifelong Beatles scholarship. And what you, what someone like you or someone That's like, like declaring me, yourself a thought leader, like anybody can do it. It doesn't make you great at it. Well, and and also a lot of people, even people our age, mm-hmm. do not really. They have not 
spent any time in their life thinking about the Beatles. I know that's hard for you to understand. Mm. No, I mean it's you're right though. I mean it's like just sometimes you know the the world has the world has changed. I I was well, coming no, up but I'm talking about fifty year old people who right. are like, huh. Okay, I know which one is George, but like, why? You know, but like, like if I if I hadn't had my cousins pushing the Beatles on me, and this is really important, if it had not been for the department store chain where my late father had worked, if it had not been for the reissue of forty fives in the seventies, mm-hmm. which I could afford because they were, I think, less than a buck, mm-hmm. if it had not been for me having a copy of Got to Get You Into My Life on forty five. I mean, I didn't have albums. I thought that song, I think, perhaps understandably, was from the mid-70s. Can oh. you believe that song is from, I want to say, what, 66, Revolver? Yeah. That's insane. It's yeah. insane that that song, that arrangement with those Leave it. John, John, can we can we maybe this week start a Patreon so we can do this show, please? I don't know who's uh, involved with that, and I don't really care. I don't want to be involved. But if you go start a Patreon for us, let's record six of these. <laughs> I don't want to make this work is, for you, but you've these, made enough work for me, and I think it's time for you to pick up the slack a little bit. Uh, Mach Schnell. Mach, oh, sorry, Mach Schnell. Aren't you what the original <laughs> Mach Schnell? No, Mach Schnell. Big show, big show. Oh, Get out there. Big show. Go play for eight hours. Isn't this what the original Roderick on the Line was all about? Didn't only didn't we just talk about the Beatles and Hitler? Beatles or were and Hitler, we just yeah. joking when we said that? I don't remember. It was so long I don't ago. Know, man, I mean, I, I'm always. I mean, like, I, I, I think. So certainly, like you, you, you are the man behind Super Train. I think I'm the person behind Keep Moving and Get Out of the Way. Those were fairly early. Super Train. Why are we talking? Oh my God, are we dying? John, am I dying? Is this our is this our obituary? Is this Merlin our, oh, man. man. What can you say about Merlin Man? He oh, was boy. nothing. Please, please just He was a gentleman. Me. Have you, you ever forget seen me? <laughs> his website fives? Uh, if you can forget me while I'm still alive, I'd be so grateful. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yes, we will talk about that. We were leaving off with something else. Uh, and we were talking about Myrtle, Myrtle's legacy, the Beatles. Mm. Oh shit, how did I fuck this up? We were talking about how did how did the Beatles get into it? I brought it up. Oh, oh, great! We got John. John, you gotta wash your hair. Oh, right. Uh, lately, young John in his rust pants. He he needs to wash that hair. Wash your hair, girl. I feel like he, I, I I don't know where you were on the on the hair washing. I have seen pictures of you in college, but I've never seen pictures of you as a as a teen. Mm-hmm. Eighth grade, yeah. I was using Vidal Sassoon. I think I've posted some some pictures of myself as a later teen in my 16-year-old mm-hmm. self, but I don't think I've posted any pictures of me at 12 or, or 13. <laughs> and there's a reason, and it's because I was still scallop, very— like a scallop. Was, yeah. Well, there was pre-scallop. I was just very nascent. I wasn't even a <laughs> I person was very yet. nascent. <laughs> I was, I was like, what, you were like emergent? I was like, what's going to happen here, right? Yeah. There were kids in okay. sixth grade— that you all, I mean, Dominador Gobelez, I've mentioned him before. You already knew what was going to happen to Dominador, right? You already knew what was going to happen to Lori Basler. But if you looked at yeah. me, you wouldn't have known anything about what was going to happen to this person because he was a mushroom who had just poked up above the above the ground bark. And I was certainly capable of, of, of you know, uh, destruction and also... You know, I, I don't know, at, 
varying times I could have, I guess I was a little bit cute, but I wasn't ready. I was not ready. But you weren't adorable in a typical sense. I don't think I was I don't think you attract, I'm guessing you probably did not attract adoration. I mean, I know, I just sent you a photograph of me. Wait, did I send it to you or my wife? I think I just sent you a photo. Oh, damn. Did I? Yeah. I just sent you a photo of me at exactly my daughter's age. Um, and I, I was not adorable. And also, kids in junior high are the worst. Like, I'm, I love my kid to death. Uh, really, like, super love my kid. Like, it's gross how much I love my kid. But, like, as a people, well, John, there's a reason. It's our greatest hits. There's a reason we've talked about they need to go cut trail. We need to get them out of the public eye for the period where they must necessarily be excruciating as human beings. Yeah. And if we can grind them down a little bit and improve our national parks, win, 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 win. No, no, no. You and I would have been, you and I would have been, I think, good friends. I might yeah. have been. What do you think that hair? Bit, you like that haircut? Well, I have haircut? the same hair and the same shirt. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And I was also standing at the same podium, probably giving the same speech. We weren't. We didn't call it gifted anymore. No, no. So it was called there, DEO or differentiated educational opportunities. There's a picture of me in seventh grade at a canned food drive, uh, and I'm <laughs> eating hold, all the food. <laughs> and no, and I'm in that same shirt, and it was in the you know it was a picture in the newspaper, right? Like uh-huh. uh, Butler Junior High canned food drive <laughs> makes you know gets four hundred <laughs> cans of food for the local for boy the, has can do attitude. And I'm there with a you know I'm there with a can of beans in each hand. Uh oh, like, <laughs> oh no, like, that's where it started. <laughs> check out these canned beans <laughs> can I buy a can of beans and I had the same exact blonde bowl cut that had been slightly modified to acknowledge that it was the 80s now and not the 70s mm-hmm. so it wasn't it wasn't like a uh, that's a JCPenney shirt if memory serves I'm sure it was it's also where the, my orange and blue sneakers came from <laughs> we, we shopped at Sears we were a little bit higher oh, qu- yeah higher Sears called you husky if memory <laughs> serves that's right but uh, but yeah, the whatever. You know what? it was, if, if it ever happens that your daughter does want to know about you, and I doubt that she ever will, she right. can hit me up. I would say don't have to listen to all these episodes. But if she ever has any questions or wants to know who might have been your spouse in a slightly different timeline, have her uh-huh. hit me up. Yeah, there's a picture. Give her my space here phone on number the, on the on the uh, on the bookcase. We got a picture of Merlin Mann right there. So she, you know, she sees you every day. Oh. Huh. But uh, but yeah, I think I. I, um, hair, your hair was dirty in a different, in a different timeline, right? Like I had a, I, I dated a girl in the nineties who was, she was very beautiful. She was very vivacious. And she used to say, we would have been friends in junior high. And I would say, I, I assure you, we would not have been. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, no, no. I, 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 I know who you were in junior high and I absolutely mm-hmm. would have been your friend. No, we were and, both worse and it never would have happened. Like yeah. so many and times you're like, oh, you would have been worse and insufferable. I would have been worse. And like to this girl, right. Or like you would have been probably kind of a little bit mean to me because you needed to be. Well, and she was, I mean, she, and then she'd show me a picture of herself in eighth grade and she had, you know, uh, she had jet black hair down to her waist and mm. was like a and and freckles and and i was like i would have oh been god i would so, have followed her for a semester well and i would have been so mean to you i would have been awful and i also yeah. you would have thought that i was a child that i you know like i would have been so beneath your dignity and she was she insisted no 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 mm-hmm. we would have been close friends and i just could not because i was not close friends with anybody um, except Kevin Horning, 
Yeah. But like I, I was, uh, it wasn't until I was 16, I think, that I, that I realized. You've got, but you've got to pass through that, John. I mean, people love to do this retcon Monday morning quarterback bullshit, but it's like, no, I can tell you, no, I, I was, I was terrible because I needed to be. Right, a thing I've grown fond of saying lately is whether we like it or not, every day everyone's doing the best they can. If you could have done better yesterday, you would have. If Oof. I could have been a better person, yesterday, say yesterday, again? yesterday was not a good day for me. But you did your best. I didn't. You yesterday, did. If my, you could have done better, you would have. My best was sitting right there, and I looked at it, and I was like, "Nope." I cleaned my office, and now my leg hurts. I try. I actually got up off the couch at mm-hmm. eight p.m. To go tuck my daughter into bed at her mother's house. Mm-hmm. And then I drove home. And that was the extent of my accomplishment. All right. Okay. I, you know what? I'm not going to get involved in a land war in Asia with you. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but no, no, but we all, we all were terrible. And like you cannot, you can't retcon this to make yourself look better in retrospect. You must lean into the fact that we were all, we have all been terrible. Yeah. And it's only by having been terrible that we learn to be less terrible, maybe for a while, sometimes. Everybody always wants to turn this into, oh, we would have been such good friends, pinky swear. And it's like, no. I would have undermined you constantly because I needed the tiniest scrap of status that I felt I would never have unless I attacked other people. For example, that's just one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Let no, alone that, that I looked like I looked like a, a, a human penis with this hair and whatnot. By by the age of sixteen, when I say that I had become that I had that I finally was no longer like a toadstool, it was, it was genus only, Michael John. It was only because I went to Sears and bought a new pair of Levi's so I didn't have to wear the pair that I couldn't button the top button anymore because I had outgrown them. Yeah. And like I looked like a kid, I looked like a teen instead of like a, like a kid. But that is not to say that I was not super cruel to other people. No, that's, that, that's the part about myself that I really missed is I, in my telling of the story, when I cast my mind back and this, this has been true since junior high and high school up until not that many years ago where the story that I told was like, a, I didn't, I wouldn't say bullied exactly. I was, I was voted class clown. I was voted most talented senior. It would be a little bit insincere for me to portray myself as a total outsider because I at least knew enough people at Yearbook that they could throw the contest for me. Thank right. you very much, Irene. Um, uh, my other most talented senior, the female <laughs> companion to my talent. Who but, also was yearbook editor? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. she was yeah, she was the photo editor for the whole yearbook. So I got a lot of unnecessary good shots in there. But the the point being that like um uh, no, in my telling of the story, like I was set upon on all sides by like all this difficulty in my life. And it was my life sucked. I had a lot of problems, but I also had a really a great mom and like who tried really, really hard in seemingly impossible circumstances. But in my telling of that story, it's much more fun in punk rock for me to portray myself as some kind of misunderstood genius who would eventually come into his own in college, the end. Yeah. And it's like, no, I would take a chunk out of fucking, I was so sarcastic, John. I would take a chunk out of fucking anybody if I thought it would make me look better. And the inklings of this did not fully come together. I should take a photo of this until a woman I still think about so often, my drama teacher in 12th grade, who was just the the best. I I didn't realize she was teaching us how to do yoga at the time. Mm. Mm. She cast me as the lead in the school play. She was 
amazing and she was so kind and so patient and so gentle and she's one of those like top five teachers you get in life that you can't mm-hmm. really appreciate for years and years and years and years but the th- I can't do it from memory but the thing she wrote in my senior yearbook really even at the time kind of gutted me and she said something like you know it's been so nice to have you in class and then to get to spend time with you she said um, so, something like Merlin you're, you're very clever you have a very quick wit but, but make sure that you're always using that for good things mm. and you know she basically said, hey, you know, you're really smart, but don't be such an asshole. And I look back at that now, and I'm like, oh, God, she really nailed it. I thought I, thought I was the underdog. Me, Jerry. I thought I was the, 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 the maligned kid. But no. I mean, <laughs> you know, I knew how to wash my hair. My mom had a car. It's like I managed to figure out how to play D&D. I was just another, like, piece of shit. I certainly was not the underdog of that story which is what i would like to think how do you how do you in retrospect how do you think about those years i you know i wish somebody i wish there was an adult that had that had had that kind of um nature i had a couple of male teachers who um who misunderstood me and thought that i was uh doing it right you know, a couple of, of male teachers in their 30s who thought that I was cool. I had uh, one. Maybe you represented, and perhaps at least in some way, represented some kind of like a, f- not fantasy, but like an idea of like what they hoped they were like, maybe? Exactly Like that. a smart ass who like, yeah, now I have this teaching job, you know, and God bless, maybe that's the calling. But like, I, I have this job, but I meet this kid and it's like, you have this sort of Rushmore moment. That's a pretty sharp little guy kind yeah. of feeling. I had a, I had a teacher who was probably only 32 or 33, say to me my senior year, like we were sitting in the video editing suite at the, at the career center. Mm -hmm. And he said, you probably get laid all the time. Don't you? Oh dear. Like you, Mm -hmm. you, a different time (laughs) you get laid, you get laid a lot. And I was a virgin Mm -hmm. and I was like, (laughs) were you also like a hand virgin at that point? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I was just like, no, yeah. sex is weird, weird and wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrong. Oh, that's right. And you and I were both weird. in the business of correcting women and telling them not to be sluts, right? Uh, Didn't we both no, do no, that? I just, I just said that in my head. Okay. But, you know, but I was well, definitely, yeah, but still, and still. I said that to my, I said that to my, my male friends too. <laughs> you like, know what you look you're like not, right now. You understand you're not what you going look to like? second base with those girls, are you? That's not right. Mm-hmm. Like you, they should be saving themselves, and so should you, because right. sex is like we're too young. But which is, I, which is but, to say, I feel really as a as a as a slightly advanced graduate degree version of a child, I feel very abandoned by the way that you've moved on from childhood. Yeah, probably. At least but, I speak for myself. Yeah, for but, sure. But this guy said that, and I was like. <laughs> Dude, uh, dude. Uh, I didn't say totally. I have a lot of vagina sex, for I just sure. said, mm, boy, mm, you know, yep. pow, pow. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Finger guns. And then I ring, had another, ring, ring. another teacher who was really a good friend, <laughs> but he was like, when he said, Roderick, you're such an asshole, mm-hmm. he totally meant it as a compliment. You know, he was like, you're, you are, yeah, you're right. You're doing what I wish I had done in high school, which is be a big be a big cheese because you're so BMOC, like like it was written on your desk blotter. Mm -hmm. You're so sarcastic, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're such an asshole. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of college. Oh no, it was my freshman year of college. I was running for sophomore class president Mm 
because they'd already expelled me two times. And I felt like if I'm sophomore class president, you can't expel me. I'm king of Gonzaga. <laughs> they were going to expel me no matter what. But it was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be sophomore class president. And then what are you going to do? Like, I'm, I'm yeah. going to be integral to the, to the operation here. <laughs> you like me now. I've and I lost. too big to fail. <laughs> I, that's, right, that's right. That's what I was hoping. Yeah. I lost. Sure. And they announced the results while we were in the lunchroom. So it was, you know, it was quadruple humiliating because everybody in the place was looking at me. But there was a kid that I'd gone to high school with, and you know I'd missed a year, so he had been a he'd been a junior when I was a senior, and now we were the same grade. We were both freshmen at, in college, and I was sitting up on the dais, and he was facing away from me, so he wa- maybe wasn't aware I was there, um, and because they were announcing the results from the other end of the room, mm-hmm. and he was a kid in high school that I didn't know. I didn't know him. And he was, as far as I was concerned, kind of an irrelevant person. Like, oh, yeah, I I recognize him. I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell you. If I saw him today, I don't think I'd recognize him. Mm -hmm. But I knew he was at the school. And when it it was announced that I lost, he made... (laughs) I'm sorry, was it announced that way? Well, it was just And the loser is... (laughs) No, I think it was, you know, the the winner is. And the winner was just some wonk, you know, somebody that was Mm -hmm. like... A coalition builder. Transcript mongerer. And he made the gesture, the like, the arm pump of like, yes. And I knew that he did it because I lost, not because the other person won. I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I my enemy is my friend. As I had gone around the dorms, knocking on dorm rooms and saying like, hey, I'm running for, you know, class president. I'd knocked on his room. And he'd opened the door and there was another kid in there. And I'd said, hey, man, you know, what's up? East High, am I right? Hey, I'm running for class president. And he'd, he was friendly to me and he'd given me the like, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But when I looked back at that moment after I'd seen him do the arm pump, I realized that he'd kind of been like, there was a little bit of how dare you in his face. And it was only then that I realized that being an asshole was not universally admired. Right. And that whatever it's, it's I... Kind of the, it's kind of the punk rock problem in some ways, and I don't want to get myself... <laughs> um, but, but you know what I mean? Like, there's that sense of, like, I, I have... I've said... I've found myself... I've had occasion to say this to various people at one point or another, which is, like, for, for a fair amount of your life, including especially junior high and you know what i'll even allow it high school maybe even a little bit of college it's all about what you don't like it's all about what you hate it's all about what you're reacting to and so much of your identity becomes about what you're rebelling against or what you know what i mean but like it forgive my sounding like a pollyanna here but like at some point you have to establish something more affirmative in life which is not not that you have to be a positive person but you have to learn to find ways to define yourself by yourself, through yourself, rather than just by the things you that you say meh about. Well, and that's the thing that took me another decade. But it's I've hard. thought about that moment when he did that with the arm. Because at the time, I reflected back. I hadn't seen this guy in, in – I mean, I'd been a senior two years ago. You know, like I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. I hadn't – I definitely hadn't done anything to him in college. Mm-hmm. So some point in high school – he was standing there with a group of people or walking down the hall or something. And he either saw me do something or probably more likely 
I'd turned to him and his group of friends and gone, what's up losers or something to the <laughs> effect, <Suckin'> bitches. <laughs> yeah, something to the effect of like, Hey, what did you, you know, did your 20 sided die roll into a heater register? Like, why are you standing around here? What are you looking at? You know, something, some kind of just big swinging dick attitude at him. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even, I didn't even distinguish him as a person from his, from his group. But it stuck with him, and it stuck with him forever. And I started to be nicer after that mm-hmm. because oh, I realized, really? oh, wait, you know, no grown-up ever said, hey, why don't you tone it down? I was like, oh, wait, am I mean? I never right. wanted to be mean. Like, I, same no. as you. I thought I was the— you had your, I, thought, I mean, like, you had your reasons, right? I thought everybody was I'm out just protecting to protecting myself. The girls all teased me. The bigger boys all pushed me down. Yeah. And it was the only sense—it was only the sense of humor that allowed me to uh, to feel like I could stand up stand up straight. And, a, and about a year later, another guy I knew in high school— he and I were out going to parties or something in Anchorage. And at some point he said, you know, you used to be a lot funnier. Uh, I don't know what happened to you. And I was, you know, at this point I was like 20 or 21, like hardly. And he was like, you used to be so funny. And now you're just like, not funny yet. Not as funny. And I was like, I I actually said to him, I used to be mean. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah. And that was funny. Hmm. How did you feel? How did you feel at the time when he said that? I mean, were, were you bummed that he didn't think you were funny, or did you did it come to you right away? Well, yeah, well, it's because I was being a jerk because I was so broken inside. No, I was bummed. Uh, yeah, and 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 I and I think back, yeah, you know, yeah. there there are people who I mean, I think Paul F. Tompkins, by the time he was eighteen, already knew all he wanted to be was a, a stand-up comic, and he's been a stand-up comic his whole his whole adult life from the, mm-hmm. from the time he was in high school, like he was already doing stand up. And it, when I was 18, <laughs> like that was on the short list of things that maybe I thought I would do for a living, like be a journalist or a DJ or a stand up comic were the three kind of things if, because mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't going to be a lawyer. And I, and I realized, I think then like, Oh wait, is stand up comic, falling off this list because I'm no longer, because what made me funny was that I was mean. Oh, like you've lost, you've lost your edge. I lost it. Yeah. Right. And, and thank God. And what I, what I turned into was, I mean, still like a, still an asshole my whole life. But, but what he was saying was, you know, you're now you're all like broody and your jokes are all, you know, I'll take a minute to understand. And that's not funny. I mean, I think mm-hmm. he was saying this in terms of we're party hopping and you used to walk in the door and say, what's up nerds. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, uh, believe me, I still say that, but, but right. he's Why like, you play that keyboard with the ching chong ping pong. He's like, yeah, right. But he was, he, we were out partying and he wanted me to be the, you know, the, uh, the icebreaker who walked into any party and was just right. like, I'm taking over. The guy who's willing to change the tone of the costume with your friend there. Yeah. Or just, or just walk I'm in. I'm going to go like, in there and uh, abandon my friend's group costume. <laughs> but this was, you know, this was yeah, at I the know, point where I, I would walk into a party of a different high school, walk right over to the stereo and change the music and be Ugh, like, this God. party sucks. 
you know, what you need is some rock and roll. God, and you, I, you sound like such an 80s character. I was. It's like if you were I, like Bill Blazajowski from, um, from Night Shift, but not as charming. You know, but I was just a, a, der, a dervish of disruption. I was extremely charming. It's just that I was also a dervish, right? Like, like it yeah. was, I was going to leave this party and it was going to be either <laughs> just skid marks, either marks. 20 <laughs> times better a party, <laughs> right. or I was going to leave right. it by getting, but because four hockey players or were police would be taking planet. statements. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, like, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I kind of turned into somebody who was like, you know, what is, what is a party? And people were like, what? What the oh, hell happened to that you? That was funny. Yeah. Yeah. So call, call someone asshole again. But I do feel, you know, I do feel like the, uh, the problem of me in my forties was that I was still walking into rooms mm-hmm. and going, Hey, what's up nerds. But feeling like we were all in on the joke. Mm-hmm. And I know there were a lot of people because I was still, I was at that point, I was playing an '80s character as a gag, but I, there were a lot of people that weren't in on the joke, that didn't, yeah. that didn't think it was funny. Well, I mean, but also, it's this is I'm not. I don't mean to sound like I'm being judgy about you. I'm ultimately, of course, being judgy about me, uh, which is that it doesn't always need to be all about you, and it doesn't need to be. It really oughtn't be always about like the way you choose. And along the lines of going in and like, you know, the tone arms skidding across the record while you go, shut up, nerds. It's like, well, it's not your party, man. And like, you're not actually, it's, you're not going to meet and be beloved by anybody really cool if that's your idea of the impression that you want to make in life. And like, I, I, that was hard for me to learn was that like, well, what I, my well earned, calluses and like i'm like this because life's been hard for me so that's why i go in and ruin every party to like make it all about me like it's sometimes you just have to accept becoming a little bit less interesting in order to become more interesting yeah who knows i i I mean i do that's true for me i'm not saying that's for you but like it's 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 hard to grow up my my i guess my problem in my 40s was that i was uh, I was a wingman for most of that time. You know, at the, at, at the end of my thirties, I had accomplished enough that I could stand, uh, that I could stand my ground and say, yeah, I'm the, I'm the singer of the long winters. And that, that yeah. very, very, very briefly from 2007 to 2009 was, was enough. It meant enough. And then in a way I'm lucky that mm. I, that I transitioned to being, you know, like from 2009 to 2014, like you were the internet's Merlin man and John Hodgman was Apple's John Hodgman. And Jonathan Colton was this guy that had, that had uh, covered baby got back and downloaded a million times. And, and so there was, there was then a period where I was there as long winners guy, but I was in a whole new room full of people. You know, I was in a room with Ted Danson and I was in a room with, with, um, Elon Musk. And I was, and I felt again, like I was in high school, like everybody was (laughs) way Uh older than me and better. And, and 
And when I was introduced to people like, hey, it's John Roderick, the singer of the Long Winters, you know, Ted Danson was like, oh, huh, Mm -hmm. who? You know, and so... (laughs) Well, I'm married to to Mary Steenburgen, so I'm not exactly sweating it. Yeah, and so my (laughs) thing of like, hey, nerds, was back to, you know, because if I if I just walked in and been like, hello, nice to meet you, then mm-hmm. I'm very quickly or would have felt like I'm Hodgman's valet at that point. You know, like I, I was, see when you say wingman. Now I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I, and, and you, too. You, like, you, you, well, you, but, but one can sometimes feel like the the plus the, the like plus one for the everybody. plus one. Right. And yeah. the, the quiet girlfriend. And so I was through all those years through the last decade of my life just trying to establish that I that, that I belonged there right or, or that that I was there not just because I was somebody's friend and that was that was really hard because I because I have John, you were so charming. You, I mean, like you've always been so charming. I mean, like in a way, I'm not saying this like jokes have left the room. Um, honestly, being in a room with you is a lot of fun. Like you're really not. E- I was going to say gregarious, but not gregarious. You're you're very charming. You're very focused. Like you listen to what people are saying. You can see it in photos I've taken of you at rock clubs. You're actually listening. And uh, let's not act like this is not something that's surpassingly rare, which is like, you know, rock musician or otherwise, like you listen to what people are saying and you respond and you play with them in the space. And like, that's, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm trying to talk you out of, but yeah. like, that's, that's why I like you. I, I mean, I, I initially liked you because of songs like car parts, but I became pals with you because you're actually like a lot of fun in a room yeah. when you don't need to say, you know, I'm changing the music assholes. Like you're, you're fun. I'm in a dark place right now. And right I'm now? Just, well, these days, because oh, I, you know, I'm kind of going over, I'm kind of going over everything. I'm in my 50s. I've been forced to take a new tact, and I haven't picked mm. the direction. And I, I am, Merlin, I'm doing a, I'm doing this thing where I'm like, mm. oh, man, I suck. That's the thing you do. You do, you yeah. do, you ruminate, you steam, steam and John. I'm, I'm sucking. I've been sucking for all this time. And I know yeah. it's not right, but... I but I can't. Yeah, I know. I know. Something's got to happen, you know. We Something talk about I the Beatles. Hit, so it'll make you feel better if we talk about. That's the what it is. I need to talk about the Beatles because that Beatles. in yeah. talking about the Beatles. Yes, I, I'm very confident. I have no doubt that the things that I'm going to say about the Beatles. Yes, are true and correct, mm-hmm. and they're going to help everyone understand the Beatles better. It's going to help you get back to where you once belonged. I think it is absolutely. I need to get back. Mm. 